episode 21 of Beers, Business, and Balls. Today is Tuesday, September 8th, as always, presented by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And brought to you by Dugout Creative, our friends in the concept merch market. Best new baseball jerseys, shirts, and hats in the market. Go to dugoutcreative.com and you get 15% off. BBBpod is the code to use. Of course, ton of different cool stuff you could buy. Um, also benefiting the Mamba on 3 fund for Kobe Bryant and his family. Keep the merch coming, folks. Episode 21, Jake Zimmer, Will Tondo are live in Providence. It's been a long week. I'm tired. We've got a good interview. Uh, we're really pushing it. Yeah. I'm 23 years old, man, and I already feel like I'm 46. This is very bad. This podcast is beers, business, and balls, not... Shots feeling like shit on <laughs> Saturdays. I mean, oh my goodness. We we came, we saw, and we conquered Boston. And then the lake, our friends in up in Massachusetts, and then brewing some beer today. It's been a, it's been a long weekend. And, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm a, I feel like shit. I feel like absolute shit. My body can't keep up with me. No. No. But... And that's our show, folks. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for listening. But we keep drinking. Uh, well, we do keep drinking. We're going to rate some beers real quick. Uh, really great guest. We have Sir John Fenergy, who is the founder and CEO of the Providence Pirates. And for you Rhode Island listeners that are like, what the hell is that? You heard it correctly. Go back and rewind if you need to. Providence Pirates. American Basketball Association. They are coming to the 401 Later this year, hopefully. Um, so we had a chance to talk to Sir John, who is a Turkish national, but he um, had since immigrated to the United States and has really made quite a name for himself in the New England basketball community. Uh, went on this venture to to start his own franchise. So we talked with him about what it takes <clears throat> to be a franchise owner and to basically build a brand from the ground up. Shout out to our boy, Sean LaVoy, who is... Pretty much on the short list of employees, you know, employee number five, right? Something like that. I don't know. So really good conversation about what the Pirates will be, where they are going. But for now, let's rate some beers, folks. That's why you are here. What are you drinking? Well, we're going to cheers to Labor Day weekend. Uh, summer's coming to an end, unfortunately, but try to keep positive and enjoy the, everything that life brings us. Um I was torn between a few beers I was going to rate. I had a lot of great selections over the week and this weekend. But I'm going back to Greenport because they have a limited edition beer that's out. So if you're in the area, you should go pick it up. It's called You Pick, and it is a uh, low-gravity pale wort, lightly hopped for a balance and that allows the fruit to shine. Uh, this ale is brewed with over 800 pounds of blueberries and lemons. It's light and spritzy. It's full of uh, quenching berry goodness. It has a lemon aroma and citru- citrus acidity. Uh, 5.2% and it comes out like a nice lavender purple color. It is a very, not too sweet, but you can just taste the fresh fruit. Uh, the bartender at Greenport Brewery said that people have been throwing in a shot of vodka <laughs> or a shot of tequila with a little lime juice and making it a little cocktail. And I poured it when I got the pour, I was like, wow, I did not expect that color. And the taste was like, I could probably have like six of these. They weren't overly sugary. Um, they still had a lot of fav- flavor and it was fresh. And 
I'm giving it a four out of five on the un untapped scale. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I picked up a four pack just in case they were, you know, not going to make these again, but they were such a big hit and it was a great way to end the summer. So you pick out a green port, a nice little blueberry ale. Um, it, I personally think it's better than like Wachusa Blue. Yeah, well, we were just talking about that. We have to add it into the, the rankings of blueberry beers in New England because there's a lot of them. We talked about it with Ryan a couple of weeks ago, too. I say a couple of weeks ago. That was the beginning of summer. Holy shit. Um, before Ryan was writing for us at that point, and before Frosty Boy Fridays on on IGTV, um, he was saying the same stuff. I mean, it's like there, there's so much good blueberry beer up here. Um, you've got Newport. You've got what shoes it. That, that's a, that's going to be really good. And I, I like lemon, too. I, I love lemon and beer. So, wonderful. Um, I am going to take you to Massachusetts now. We were at the Broadway, which uh, is in South Boston or Southie for you locals. I'm sorry if I piss anyone off. Um, we normally go to Broadway to go and not remember the night. So I walked in. I was like, what the hell? This is what Broadway looks like because we had to go get dinner. So um, I got cloud candy for Mighty Squirrel. I see Mighty Squirrel on my Snapchat everywhere. So figured I'd try it out when I had the shot. Um, very hazy. It was very gold and dark and orange. Uh, it was fruity, too. They say papaya and mango and star fruit. Um, I tasted the mango for sure. Very smooth. Uh, six and a half APV. It was great off the pour, but some people are saying it's better in a can. Um, I mean, Mighty Squirrel. They've got real good stuff up here. And strawberry smoothies is the big one. They, they do like lacto sugar and all that stuff. And then um, this one called Cloud Candy, again, Citro Mosaic Amarillo's Prime Hops are beautiful. Give it a four. I liked it a lot and I would drink it again. And Mighty Squirrel is a place that we need to go. Um, Waltham, Mass, good spot for young people. So uh, we need more recommendations, folks. We need, uh, IPA season's almost over, so. It's almost pumpkin beer time, and we've actually got a pumpkin beer brewing right now. Lovely. So, uh, we'll keep you updated on the progress of that. Uh, let's go into business real quick, and then we'll do a rapid-fire balls uh, just with sports going on so we can uh, hop over to Sir John. Um, why does why does life work like this? We I, say, knew, I knew this was going to happen, too. We I, declare Zoom the stock of the week, and we go, shit, that's probably pretty good to buy. And then we sit here and watch it soar from 304 bucks to 462 the next day. And here we are like, oh, yeah, it was the stock of the week. We just didn't do it. Here we are. We could have been rich off Zoom. We could have pulled everything out, pumped it, and reinvested everything. And there's a few stocks that we've... I mean, most of the time in the stocks, when we, when we mention the stock of the week, you know, we do our research thoroughly, and a lot of it is, you know, stocks that we have, you know, profited on and won on and, you know, backed with different data and research. And Zoom is obviously no stranger to, you know, this pandemic world that we knew the stock was going to go well. I did not expect it to jump over $150 462. in less than 24 hours. Like, I was... Planning on like okay, let it ride a little bit Monday. I'll hop in maybe when it's at like three fifteen, three twenty. If it's going to actually rise and then go from there. By the time I looked, it was already at four hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. 
I was like, wow. And even wow. if it, you still, in theory, could have even popped in 400 bucks, yeah. which is absolutely nuts considering one of the 462. The reason why we said Zoom was such a good thought for last week was because they were reporting earnings, and everyone's like, oh my god, they killed it in Q2. Of course, it's going to be high. And then Monday, even before this happens, they're like, oh, they're going to be really good. There's more info that's getting leaked. It's getting more and more and more positive, and then boom, it's off. Um, I don't know anymore. Uh, considering just about everything else was horrid last week, too, um, the market was weird. I took, I think, a 10% net loss. Um, a lot of execs around the nation sold, uh, I believe it was close to $7 billion worth of their own company's stock. Um, sounds like a lot it is, because that, that's a lot of money. Um, NASDAQ went down a ton. You saw these really more risky stocks uh, go down quite a bit, too, because Tesla had a major shareholder pullout. Um, it, it's weird because it's a cross between, okay, I'm cashing out and I've made my money, and it, it's just wild how nuts that threw the market out of whack, I guess. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, a lot of the big-name stocks were just tanking, and our you know friend of the program, Zayd Bonnie posted an image, and it was pretty much just a bloodbath. It was mm -hmm. a sea of red with all of the you know, the big name stocks and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be uncharted waters the next few weeks with everything going on. I mean, not only with the election and then, you know, different Q3 earnings and stuff um, or Q2 earnings rather, but I don't know. I don't know. It's, I mean, we've been talking about this for weeks. When is it like safe to pull, safe to pull out or anything? And I don't want to pull out of the market, but I also don't want to be so far. Be right? Yeah, I don't want to be on the other end of it. So, invest with caution. Uh, sports are back, so maybe swing your money back into gambling. <laughs> but it is uh, whew, it's a doozy out there. It's brutal. Um, stock of the week. What we have declared um, is another EV stock. It's not Tesla. It's not Nikola. We're over that. Right. Um, we're going to talk about Workhorse, WKHS. Uh, they are electric vehicles or EV stocks, but they don't play where those companies like Tesla do and Nikola Energy. Um, they are taking a different approach. It's actually in the, the EV delivery vehicle market. So they've won, uh, I believe UPS gave them some business last year. I think they spent you know a, a bunch of money in actually 2018 it was. Um, and now they're trying to win contracts across the board, right? So... Um, this could be interesting. There were a big mover on Robinhood last week, um, and it's something to keep your eyes on. Um, it, it, again, it went from two bucks to what nineteen over the past month. So mm -hmm. it's done a lot of its boom for sure. But that's not to say that it's not going to grow a little bit more. Yeah, right now the CEO said they have about seventy million dollars in back orders of its electric vehicles, and this contract with the Postal Service is a potential game changer. I mean, one analyst just said that if they land this deal, the stock would be over $40, yep. Um, And obviously the post office, the U.S. Postal Service has been big in the news recently. So it, it could go 50-50 either way. Um, it's really hard to say, you know, how they're going to approach this, but a lot of analysts are, you know, rotting high on work human. And yeah. if the contract goes through, I mean, this is definitely a stock we can see. Hopefully we're not biting ourselves in the ass over it, saying like, "Damn, I wish we invested." But you know, again, invest with caution. This could be another big top mover. It could. 
And I'm I'm curious to see if Tesla moves in either way how that affects this because it did not work like that last week. No. So, um, and Tesla. Well, I mean, Tesla tanked and they went up. So I I don't know. Uh, Tesla's obviously going to rebound in the coming weeks. So I don't know how that affects workhorse here. I don't. And I guess the only way we're going to find out is for Tesla to get a little bit of game back. So. So that is what it is. Uh, keep your eyes on Workhorse. Keep your eyes on Tesla. And if Zoom, if you make money off Zoom, we want to cut. <laughs> we want to cut, motherfuckers. Um, let's go to balls. We're going to do rapid fire sports this week. Uh, we'll start talking with the NBA because that seems to be where the buzz is at lately. He just fell short of the sweep. They were three uh, three nothing against the Milwaukee Bucks. We talked about the Heat a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Bucks could be without Giannis Antetokounmpo for the next couple of games. They say he may have a sprained ankle. Uh, he, they're, they're taking it day-to-day, I guess, right now. But the Heat look good is the bottom line. They, they look like a brand-new team. And they have a legit shot if they just win one game to wrap this thing up in five. Miami is one of those teams that I said in the beginning is if they caught fire, you know, literally the Heat, um, if they if, <laughs> if they if they just come into the playoffs hot, like they were going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, it'll be interesting to see if Milwaukee can come back into this. It doesn't look likely, especially if uh, Giannis is hurt. I know he rolled his ankle or something, and they'll have to face either the Raptors or the Celtics. And the Celtics just came back three two after dropping two in a row. But ba- ba- playoff basketball has been very very fun to watch. Um, a lot of people were skeptical with this whole bubble and how the game of play was, but you know the first round of playoffs. I mean, you had two very interesting series. You had the Nuggets and the Jazz go to Game Seven, and you had OKC and the Rockets go to Game Seven. Um, and not to mention, I mean, the Magic took a game from the Bucks, and everyone's like, "Oh shit!" And even Portland took a game from the Lakers. So anything can really happen. Um, but I still see it's going to be a Lakers Clippers, and then uh, yeah, it's just a long road for yeah. LeBron to get what he wants. <laughs> but but there's been a lot of talk about you know a lot of shit talking with Giannis recently, and it started with Richard Jefferson, um, you know, mentioning that Giannis needs a Scottie Pippen, or he is the Scottie Pippen. He's saying you know he's not the Michael Jordan of the team; he's the Scottie Pippen. He needs someone better. And then all the athletes were getting involved into that. You know, Scotty Pippen was like, just keep your name out of my mouth. And like LeBron got in the mix. It's like, let everyone just do their own thing. But I, I kind of agree though. Giannis needs some help on that team. And it'll be interesting to see whether he remains in a Bucks uniform or he gets traded before a contract because we were talking about it earlier today. No one is flying to Milwaukee being like, I want to go there. You know, no matter if you have one of the best players in the league, no one's going to Milwaukee. Just pack that shit up and go wherever. You know, you know, rather play Miami. And if they, yeah, and if they know that Giannis isn't going to sign, and you know, the team can also try to restructure everything and like not putting a ton of money into one player. You know, they can get some assets from a team like Miami, who pretty much said they'll trade anybody except like Jimmy Butler to get Giannis. Yep. So. Who knows? NBA is looking good. I, I, the series has been fun. Um, I don't really watch the NBA a ton, but I have been watching some bubble for sure. Um, we talked about the Yankees last week, and they suck. They, they suck so badly. So I don't want to go into this too much, but 
Oh, since that, <laughs> since our interview with JJ, uh, they basically just lost. They've won, I think, what two games since that interview. Um, five and fourteen. Yeah, they, they're five and fourteen since they started the season. Pretty much red hot. I think it was like sixteen and three or something. Sixteen like and that. six, and then now five and fourteen. That's disgusting. So bottom five line, and fifteen after today. It's it's what gifts, right? It's they're, they're horrible. I think this season is done for them. Realistically, if they go go to the playoffs, they're going to get their shit in. So um, this sucks. I mean, we all were saying that about the Red Sox about how bad they looked. I think the Yankees are bottom of the barrel. They're they're lower third of this season so far. That's oh, it's pitiful. I mean, literally, your only game changers are DJ LeMahieu and Luke Voigt. Mm-hmm. And I'll even put Clint Frazier in that bucket, but he's been on a little bit of a cold streak. But he still comes in with a clutch hit here or there. Like other than that. Everyone has been fucking atrocious. The Tyler Wade experiment is over. The Mike Ford, like, I loved him and I considered him. Like, he's trade piece now. We don't mm-hmm. need him. You know, Gio just got hurt and he was also another saving grace. And it's like injury after fucking injury. It's like, come on. And, like, I mean, you can't put all the blame to Boone because, like, the players just suck right now. But his mismanagement of games doesn't I mean, help. Boone's going to be on the hot seat Jeez. after the season. I. Will not be surprised if there's a little a little scatter and skimpering with talks if like you know things end ugly and Boone is the first guy to miss the playoffs in a minute. Since Gina's last year. Yeah, yeah, twenty fourteen. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Or thirteen, I don't even know. 14, that, that's a, yeah. a long, long time since the New York Yankees haven't been in the playoffs. Relatively speaking, right? They should be winning. <sighs> they should be winning the division every With that year. roster, come on. All right, that's for another day. That's it. Um, <laughs> we, we've been giving you too much Yankee talk over the past couple of weeks. But overall, I mean, baseball, like San Diego's very hot. Yep. Um, the White Sox, I mean, that that's a team that like they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna turn some heads for years to come. They have a, a, a very interesting young core of players yep. and uh, you know people that are reinventing themselves. I mean. Giolito just had that no-hitter, mm-hmm. and, you know, two years ago, he had one of the shittiest DRAs. Yeah, he was bad. I mean, he just never got to the – he didn't have the right guidance in Washington when he yeah. was getting up there. You know, I'm glad to see people like him find his place. But, I mean, the Rays are hot, which is disgusting. <laughs> um, Toronto looks decent. Toronto looks decent, too. It's uh, – I'll look forward to playoff baseball. And there's been talks that a bubble might take place, like, after the first round. I was listening to – this is to something today. It's, like, a very weird structure. So, like, obviously – the first two teams in each um, division make the playoff, and they have the two extended wild cards. And then, like, the top seeds will all be home, and then the second highest – or the highest winning uh, second-place team in the division will also get a home. And those are, like, best of three series. And then they can enter into, like, a bubble where they're trying to, like, decipher whether it's California or Texas or somewhere else. So, I mean – this fall, we're going to have a lot of major sports, which transitions us into our next point that NFL starts this week. I mean, by October, we're going to have Stanley Cup, NBA Finals, playoff baseball, and like the beginning of football yep. and college football. Because college football actually just happened. It started, started to return. <laughs> In a way. <laughs> In a way, yeah. But um, the NFL starts this week and. You know, what are your games to watch? I mean, there's a, a couple good ones, but let's hear what you have to say. Mine is Texans and Chiefs. I, it's the first game. It's the opener. You have Watson, who's got a chip on his shoulder now after his contract and, and all this good stuff. Uh, I mean, who doesn't love watching Pat Mahomes? The Chiefs are going to have fans, too. 
They're going to have fans. I think that's a great first matchup for this league to start with. You know, it's on Thursday this week. It's only a couple. Dude, that's three days. Yeah. That's incredible. From the time this drops, you have to wait less than 48 hours for it to be game day. Yeah. Which, that's beautiful. Um, I hope the season lasts. I will take the Chiefs in this one. I don't know what the spread is just yet. It's probably going to change um, right up until the game, so I won't even try to make a, uh, an effort to guess it here. But um, I'm excited. I think you all should be too. I think it's going to be a pretty good game, so um, I'm pumped. Yeah, the, I mean, the money line for the Chiefs right now is minus 420. Over-under is 45.5, and, and the spread's minus 9 in favor of the Chiefs. Uh, they got a 77% chance of winning the game. So, I mean, that'll be an interesting one, especially because the Texans, like, who the fuck is even on that team? And, like, I mean, Deshaun Lawson just got paid. <laughs> yeah, for him. Um, but I couldn't really name it too many other people. Yeah. I mean, they just picked up, uh, what's-his-face from uh, Arizona, David Johnson. David Johnson yeah. on that trade. And, yeah, I want to see him I, if it works and if that if that trade immediately gets validated or, you know, basically a wash, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of good games. You know, you have Seahawks, Falcons, Jets, Bills, Bears, Lions, Packers, Vikings, all of that shit. But the two games that are on my radar is uh, the Sunday afternoon game, Bucks, Bucks Saints. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, you know. Is that in New Orleans? That is in New Orleans. Um, well, not that it matters because it's about fans, so they're Anyways, yeah. So, I mean, the Saints are the favorite for that game. Uh, Over-under is 49, minus 3.5 for the Saints. I mean, it's interesting that they're that heavy of a favorite. Um, I thought it would be a little bit more even, but there's a lot of unknowns with this team, especially, you know, the Bucks just signing Leonard Fournette, how he fits into that game, that game plan in that backfield. Um, but that, that's a game that I'm really interested in. And I'm also... Looking forward to the Monday night game, uh, Steelers, Steelers and Giants. Yeah, uh, Giants have a new team, a lot to prove. The Steelers are coming off a disappointing season. Um, and, you know, they have big players like Juju and James Conner and Big Ben that are all healthy now. So, and I love a good Monday night game. Uh, it'll be really, really, I'm excited for football. I really am. You know, I haven't been paying attention to much as I usually do. Usually football is one of the sports that I'm very heavily involved in. Um, but you know, there's just a lot of talk. Like I'm actually surprised that it's even happening. <laughs> I, am, I, yeah. I had no expectation or thought that we would even have a season, but we are here. Yes, we are. Football starts on Thursday. It starts with Texans and Chiefs and then, uh, lots of good games on tap. Of course, the Pats are playing the Dolphins. Uh, I, I offer no further perspective than that because I don't know. We're going to learn a lot about these teams and their new additions very quickly. Um, so, I mean, it's football's back. Let's put that shit on the headline in the, uh, the episode today. Um, that is it for our part of the show. Let's go to our interview with Sir John Fenerchi. Again, he is the founder of the Providence Pirates. They are coming to the American Basketball Association, or the ABA, um, as soon as they allow, pretty much. As soon as this new season starts up, we will have basketball in Rhode Island and that is thanks to our guest this week, Sir John Fenerchi. All right, folks, joining us this week is very exciting to the Providence community. We have the founder and CEO of the Providence Pirates, a basketball team for the ABA. We have Sir John Fenerchi. How are you today? I am good, Will. How are you? 
We are good. We are good. We're super excited to have you and super excited to have a new sports franchise joining Providence. So to start off this interview, I mean, tell us who you are. <laughs> well, I'm Sir John Fenergy. I've been, uh, I'm from Turkey originally, but I've been in the U.S. for about 20 years. I uh, came as an international student, played basketball in college levels. Then I coached for about 15 years. Uh, and then currently I uh, live in Providence area for the past few years and uh, always had an interest in, in professional sports and professional teams. So, and I started working on Providence Pirates not, not too long ago. So. so, Sir John, you know, you have so many good experiences with sports uh, as you started your career and really has been your whole life uh, with the research that we were able to dig up on you. Um, so, Take us back to maybe the times that you were an athlete or starting to think about what you wanted to do as a career. And why was it basketball that intrigued you? Well, it started when I was super young. Um, as a Turkish-born person, that we started playing soccer when we were younger, not basketball. That's what was the first sport. I played for about, you know, almost my, you know, I still played for about mid-30s. Don't get me wrong. I still love that sport. Uh, but, you know, I guess I started getting a little taller, and uh, I was that, that little skinny tall kid uh, who knows <laughs> how to play soccer, but not as quick as other guys. Uh, I still made the city team in my city, and uh, but uh, funny story that one day, uh, I was about 13 years old or so, uh, you were in a practice. Over there, you know, you're playing like a dirt field, there's no grass, there's no turf, and then... Uh, it was a very bad day outside, snow, rain. Our coach was like, you don't want to play. You can't quit. That was, that was my way out, I guess. I said, I don't want to do this. It's too cold, too muggy, too snowy. I don't want to do this sport. Then uh, uh, that year, again, me being tall, my, my father always used to say, I'm like, why don't you try volleyball or basketball? Which I did try volleyball for about two, two months. I hitting the ball toward to the wall for two straight months it was not fun for me. Um, don't get me wrong, I don't diss it. I still do watch volleyball as well, but wasn't for me. So I got into basketball, um, and then uh, started from there. I was about almost 14 years old that I started basketball, uh, and then that year one of the major Turkish teams uh, uh, won uh, European League, which was the first time ever in the in the history of Turkey. It was a huge success. It was all over TV and media everywhere. So it got my attention even more. Uh, so that was kind of my way to get into basketball. Uh, but again, almost about four, 13 to 14 years old range. Sir Sean, if you don't mind, how tall are you out of curiosity? I am 6'7". Six, 6'7". Seven. Six, seven. Okay. Right. Yeah. So pretty, pretty legit of a, a basketball player at that point for sure. I mean, obviously right. you're probably right, – right. Right. You were probably working out with some freak athletes over in Turkey, you know, uh, but I, I doubt too many of them were your size over there as well. Well, uh, you'd be surprised. So when I first went to Turkey for national team, it was about four years ago, five years ago, something like that. <clears throat> I was, was going to work with a summer camp, uh, 30 selected individual athletes for only 13 years old. Super young. I go in there. I'm six seven. Believe me, half the team was taller than me. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. They're my 13 year olds. I was like, I mean, they didn't know how to play basketball as much yet, but 13 years old, I'm 6'7. 
you know, six eight, six nine, six ten guys. I'm like, whoa, these guys are. <laughs> where did you find these guys? So, uh, but again, when you have a national team, obviously searches. Uh, super easy to do, and then get to find those talented or tall guys to be exact. So you had that love for basketball, and you knew at a young age, you know, obviously being that tall, that soccer wasn't the answer. Could you give us a rundown of your playing career, and then of course your coaching resume? Sure. Uh, so when I first came to U.S. again, talking about twenty, almost twenty years ago, um, I could barely speak in English. So I spent about a year just going to ESL classes, learning the language and then try to keep myself up to date with basketball, like, you know, playing outdoor, going to YMCA's and things like that. Uh, uh, again, I was a decent player back in Turkey. I almost made it on the professional team roster when I was 17, uh, but decided to come to U.S. because I wanted to come and um, uh, get my education here. So, because I knew if I stayed in Turkey, I probably wasn't going to go. I would have stayed maybe professionally and be able to get a professional career, but I wouldn't have ended up getting my college degree. So that was the decision-making process there. So when I came here, after a year, I attended uh, Northern Essex Community College in Haverhill, Mass. Uh, that's where I first moved to Massachusetts. So uh, it's a funny story there, too. I, I go in there. I can't find a coach. I slip a note under the door saying that this is me. I'm 6'7", from Turkey, blah, blah, blah. Coach calls him that night. He's like, Joe, is that you? He, he thinks his assistant was playing a joke on him. <laughs> a six seven guy come through his door and sleep a note under his door so it's uh, long story short basically i started playing there for a year and uh over there i first realizing that basketball is still basketball is my love i want to keep going with it and um what happened was didn't calculate the class and then athletics together well so uh but i had still have a lot of interest from division one division two levels as a player um, but my grades were not that good in the first semester. So a lot of Division One schools were after me. They're like, ah, I'm not sure if you can do it at this level because your GPA is not as good. And uh, it was a kind of rooted vacant for me. However, you know, I was talented enough. I had about 15 Division Two offers in my second semester. So I choose one of them. I went to school in Texas for two, Division Two school, Angel State, for three years. Played there. Uh, had some major injuries my career there knee and foot injuries so it's kind of a bumpy road towards the end of my career as a player but once I was done I'm like what I want to do uh, I have a, a computer degree myself out of college uh, didn't see myself sitting in front of a desk and then doing coding for uh, hours and hours even though I still do sometimes because I enjoy it time to time but not for a living <laughs> um so that's how coaching started. I went back to Northern Essex again for a volunteer coach. And then from there, uh, bounced around, went to uh, Wheelock College in Division Three in Boston, then Plymouth State in New Hampshire. Uh, and then I moved to Colorado, which was a kind of an interesting move for me because of my wife, who's actually uh, um, from Massachusetts area. She works here in Ravana right now herself. Uh, got into a PhD program of psychology. So, you know, it was a legit stuff. So I'm like, I got to go with her. I mean, my coaching career is good, but this is more, very important. So I followed her there and then I coached high school basketball there for a couple of years and ended up going to a, a, a junior division one junior college team in, in Colorado. I was an assistant for about a year and a half then became head coach after the coach left. Um, uh, and then we had success uh, over there, very successful years. 
we were ranked number 10 in the nation at one point. Uh, a bunch of players from that team went on to play. Uh, not just those four years I was in, in that team, uh, junior college team, playing Division One, Two, and Three colleges. Several currently play overseas or even G League right now. So, uh, so I was always told like, you have an eye for a talent. You find these guys that nobody really finds because you know, when you look at the budgets of some of the teams I was going against, they had more scholarships and more budget. I didn't ha have that at that school, but you know we just drive around the country. You know, you get in the car, college coaches can, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, second me on this. You can get in the car, especially at those levels, drive three, four, five thousand miles around the country trying to find these players. Uh, so that's how it kind of got into me, like, you know, start looking for those players who kind of have the talent by playing out of position. And then how can I get them into uh, succeeding my system? So that was kind of what I started and I succeeded in that. And after that, uh, moved back to Mass uh, Rhode Island again, Rhode Island area, because again we have some family in this area. And then um, uh, first year I did not coach because like I came back, it was like a last minute thing. And then I have some family in Massachusetts as well, and I got a, a high school coaching job in Massachusetts. Uh, my first year uh, we won the Central Sectionals, and then lost in the state semifinal in Division One in Massachusetts High School. It was a great year. Um, and the last year was kind of a little bumpy, very young team, a lot of freshmen and sophomores on the team. So this kind of in a nutshell, <laughs> in my coaching career and then how I kind of went along with these uh, 14, 15 years as a coach. I would assume that after all of your career highlights as well, something that sticks out that you didn't really dive into here was your time with the Turkish Basketball Federation too. Um, what were some of your, your favorite memories while you were coaching that team? You know, and maybe if there's any big name players you coach, we'd love to hear them as a separate thought too. But uh, <laughs> what was that overall experience like for you, Sir John? Well, it was great. It was awesome. Uh, you know, I, that was one of those um, experiences that every coach in any level would love to have, to coach a national team. Uh, so uh, I had experience with um, uh, mainly the youth teams, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-olds. I also did attend some of the, the national team, main national team practices that I was there, uh, observe and kind of help out as a, as a floor coach, um, and which was very exciting. I get to work with some guys uh, like J.D. Osman that plays in, uh, in the U.S. right now. Uh, Ilyasova plays in the U.S. and NBA right now. Uh, and I get to see, I didn't get to work with him as much, but play, uh, kind of see him, how they do things, how they practice. But my main goal was to kind of be, they trust me about the talent-wise, to trust my eyes, basically, to bring you to those camps. And I select those 14, 15-year-olds who could be potentially play in professionals or colleges. Uh, so I spent a lot of time with that when it comes to national team. And then there were some guys, again, the times I spent with those kids, that again, I talked to them, some of them still, um, uh, they like, again, they were 13 years old, 6'3 point guard. Now he's 6'9 point guard. He's 6'17 years old. Like, these guys are going to be – some of these guys are going to be here in the NBA. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, there are a few that already said, this is NBA, this is NBA, this is NBA. Uh, and then there are some guys going to be – some of them already came here for colleges. Uh, there's a kid came to uh, uh, in Minnesota, Simon, Minnesota, recently, uh, Mutaf. And then there's a couple other kids, Turkish kids, that – 
it was little, you know, a couple of years up from the uh, group I was coaching. Uh, they here as well, you know, different Division One teams in in US. So it was a very exciting time. Uh, not gonna lie, had a lot of fun, and you know, you see so many talented players in Europe for a national team. It's that's a coach's dream. So now we head into your newest endeavor, the Providence Pirates. How did this team and this idea come to fruition? Well, I uh, always had interest in professional sports. Um, you know, being a coach in high school, college levels, uh, player, uh, you know, I love basketball. But I always wanted to be in the business side of things. Um, always been in the search for uh, a kind of an opportunity, you know, and then see uh, where this kind of team can be formed and a bus can be going. And then Rhode Island is, is a basketball state. Yes, we don't have so many big names because we are such a small state, but we talented, talented state. A lot of players comes out of here um, and did come out of in the past. So uh, that's why, like, you know, this could be a good location for me to start this, this, uh, this um, adventure, people say. But for me, it's like, it's, 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 it's a dream, you know. Uh, so uh, this started basically me doing a lot of research for the past four or five years and then talking to uh, American Basketball Association, ABA CEO, multiple times on the phone past couple of years, kind of trying to get an idea how this can be done. Again, I have a lot of background in coaching, talent, running games, you know, uh, as an admin. So those stuff like doesn't scare me and none of that was almost like what the business part of things goes. So how'd that go? So this kind of learned. And then when I started this, I, uh, I basically took, I basically started this organization last September. So it's almost a year now. Uh, but I did not publicize anything. I didn't go out there and say anything about pirates because first of all, I like to be sure how this is going to work. So I spent my four or five months last year, right after starting an organization, basically traveling, you know, different cities, different states to see games and how some of the other owners handle their organizations. Uh, did a lot of research, a lot of talks, a lot of people. And I've been on, again, because of COVID too, been a lot of Zoom calls with a lot of people from G League, uh, Euro League, and then trying to see, pick their brains, how they do things and all that stuff, and then try to bring that to uh, our organization at the Pirates. So for those that don't know, Providence Pirates coming to the 401 uh, as soon as this winter, hopefully, which is great, uh, in the American Basketball Association, which is, you know, call it a, a semi-professional, you know, men's minor league team, essentially. Um, Sir John, you must, to, to go down this route, you have to have a, a vision, clearly, of what you want this team to be. So in your thoughts, in the perfect world, what do the Providence Pirates look like in five years? Like in five years, what is this franchise going to be according to your plan? Well, uh, that's a great question. And yes, there is a vision for it. Uh, again, COVID stopped it, slowed us out a little bit for the last few months. However, I did not start working towards it. My vision is to basically provide an entertainment for, uh, you know, uh, family and, and then kids and then everybody in Rhode Island instead of mass possibly, uh, to come in and see some talented players that who, you know, come out of college within our region. That's one of my things that I would like to, you know, uh, stay within the region, you know, especially Rhode Island, um, and then get our team mainly Rhode Island players. 
So, and now, so we can be rally up behind our team. Uh, again, look at our teams in Rhode Island. PC is a very good team. Obviously, very good uh, support system, uh, very good fan base. Uh, but again, they've been around for how long? No, it's been a long time. So for us, it's we are very new, but also all those players that who goes to PC, who goes to URI, who goes to UMass, who's like in those levels, or Johnson and Wales, you know, uh, that come out and then maybe play or not, but don't have a lot of uh, chances to play and show their talents. So I'm like, why not put a team together from those type of players that who is from here, who owns Rhode Island, like who, uh, you know, proud about being from Rhode Island and then be a part of it. So I would like to create that kind of uh, environment for us as an organization that, you know, everybody that comes out of, uh, uh, you know, even the high schools, high school is going to say what? I want to go play for PC, right? Or URI, uh, Brown in, in, in our state. But also, well, when I'm done, I want to play for the Pirates. So this is our team. This is our town. This is our location. You know, you're not going to be Celtics. You know, I'm not hallucinating myself. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, people can say that. But why not create a, a good environment that we can – Again, we have some stuff in works. A lot of, again, a lot of meetings I've been in and out. Uh, I've zoomed out a lot, basically, <laughs> put it that way. Um, and, and we are hoping to, in about four to five years, maybe have our own small venue, um, you know, in Providence. You know, we're not going to have a 10,000-seat arena or so, like PC, but maybe have like a three, 4,000-seat small venue that for just homebound pirates. Those are the visions I have in the next five years that create that uh, uh, entertainment for the family entertainment, affordable family entertainment. Um, you know, Providence games could be expensive at times. Then Duke comes here and plays. You know, uh, our games, our games not going to be that expensive. You know, it's going to be a lot more uh, uh, costly and uh, cost-saving and then uh, affordable for everybody. And then keep the talent within the state. And then hopefully, and then work towards having our own venue in the next four to five years. Do you you did friends? mention a lot the, the rivalry. Sorry, well, I cut you off. Yeah, but yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned a lot the, uh, the Rhode Island community-based aspect, too. I do need to know, and I think Will wants to know, too, which side of the uh, Rhode Island basketball community do you fall on? Are you a Friars uh, person, or are you more the Rhode Island Rams? We need to know. Well, well here's the deal. I'm a basketball guy. I follow Oh, okay. okay. So, uh, for me, <laughs> I'm, I'm a new – Born in Turkey, but I, even I was in Turkey, I was a New England guy. I was a Boston yep. guy, always Boston Celtics. I was always a fan of them. So I'm a New England guy. So for me, I don't really have, you know, because remember, URI is in different conference. PC is in different conference. I want them to win both. I want Brown to win Ivy League. You know, that's what I want. I want Johnson and Wales to win. Rick to win. You know, and you forget bit. the Brian Bulldogs up here too. As well. Brian, you know, uh, the coach doing an amazing job there. He's, he's, I know the coach there too as well. It's an amazing job. You know, I want all the teams to succeed. So for me, I don't really have a side. I want to just go to a game and enjoy, you know, have a, have a PC shirt on, have a URI shirt, have a John Stamon, have a Brian shirt on. And I do go to games as much as possible. And I do know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Coach Martin at uh, Brown and then uh, Coach at Brian. And, you know, I do know decent enough to go to their practices and watch their practice on everything too all the time. So, you know, I want every team to succeed. I don't really have a side when it comes to that. You're taking the new owner's approach, too, which I, I respect, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm a New England guy, so I, I say, I support, hey, if you tell me about something in New York, 
we have a di- different discussion about that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Another question we do have, um, obviously you're the founder and the CEO of the Pirates. Will you be the coach as well? Well, that's, I've been asked that, you know, uh, that is a good question. Uh, even though I will probably enjoy it, I will not be. Uh, because, you know, there's a lot of things to be done in the, in the, in the back end of front office. I would like to have someone who can dedicate their time uh, uh, to, to the team. And I, again, being a coach, I know how that goes. It takes a lot of time, a lot of film watching, a lot of traveling and everything. So for me, I'm just going to be in the back end, make sure I get this, give the support to the coach and the team as much as possible. And it's a nice segue into our next question, too. You have to start a franchise from the ground up, essentially. So while the team is doing their thing and they're preparing and they they are working for their coach and working out, what are you going to be doing? What are your day-to-day tasks? Because you've got a full plate, I'm sure. So what are some of the things that, you know, you have to start checking off the boxes over these next couple of months before the Pirates take action on the court? Well, it starts with building a team around me, right? We are a team as well, front office team. So I started with, you know, a couple of people that, you know, who's a Rodown people that who, one of my new, he actually played for me 15 years ago, one of my first ever recruits, uh, Victor Cash, is, he's going to be our director of marketing. And then we have um, Lamont Thomas, he played for Johnson and Wales. Um, and then you talked about, you know, Sean and everything. We gave him some interns coming into our marketing team for brand management. And, 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 and on all that. Also, I also have another person that just joined us uh, recently, about a month ago. It's a Turkish connection, but he is here. Uh, he's in Massachusetts. And then he actually in Turkey currently doing some stuff for me over there, talking to some uh, EuroLeague teams that kind of build that connection between us and them. And so my idea is basically, you know, building this team by building a team around me at first, which is we get in there, you're almost there. Uh, second is keep creating relationships with the uh, uh, mainly nonprofit organizations, uh, which we did create it that with Big Brothers and Big Sisters. They had an event in the summer. Probably nobody really heard about it because, again, we are so new. Everything is just starting up. And then uh, we are trying to do an event with Advocates in Action. Um, and then uh, we reached out to Save the Bay and then kind of see what we can do with them and then kind of promote their stuff on our website and they were trying to do a fundraising during the summer. Uh, so we're trying to build those relationships uh, within the community. That's going to be my next step. And obviously the partnerships and the sponsorships within the, within the state as well. You know, uh, there are, you know, really good companies and banks and, and insurance and, and sports in our, in, our, in our state that who supports athletics and sports teams. So that's my next piece on that step to start meeting with some of the people in those uh, companies to, you know, see what kind of partnerships we can create between us and them, how we can help each other out in, in both ways. In your opinion, what will it take to get this franchise to become a success? Like what key factors do you feel will make the Pirates successful? Well, the foundation, the right people, right? You always get to surround us with the right people. Um, you know, I do believe we get in the, the front office in a, in a very good shape uh, with a lot of people coming on board lately. And, uh, you know, um, again, community is the biggest piece. So uh, if you don't have a community behind you, you can't succeed. That's how it goes, you know, especially in sports mainly. So we want to create a fan base that who says on Saturday nights, games are mainly on Saturday nights, I want to go to a Pirates game. 
you know, I want a kid to say, oh, I just want a ticket on, on, on your guys' show, you know, like get you guys tickets and because I listen to you and I answer the question, whatever the case is. Uh, so things like that, we want to bring students and, and then the kids and then the families that want to come and then uh, watch our game and enjoy their time while they are there. So that's kind of the, um, you know, uh, my, um, you know, if I can get to that stage, that's the, that's the level that I think we can succeed. Uh, I think succeeded. And a shameless plug for myself, you also need a stellar public address announcer too. Keep that in mind. <laughs> no, that's, 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 you're going to need that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, it's been tough because no sports. You know, I'd normally be at PC doing soccer and, you know, going into Bryant basketball. I'd have a full schedule by now, but we can't pick and choose. There's more important things, right? Um, let's get into some of the fun stuff now, Sir John, as we move along. Um, Tell us a dream player or maybe a personal idol of yours that you would want to see wear the Pirates uniform or maybe be a coach or in the perfect world. Uh, what who would that person be? <laughs> well, I'm going to be a little bit political when it comes to this because when it comes to that, I can see it. my favorite player of all time is I was a Charles Spotley guy. Right? When I was <laughs> oh, wow. Because <laughs> I play like, you know, I was like uh, one of those guys. You know, gets after rebounds, can shoot, can dribble, play physical. So I was that guy, right? I really liked him. But I'm not saying he I wanted to be our jersey. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough, I think. You yeah. know? But, you yeah. know, I do think that, you know, again, there is a lot of talented player comes out of here uh, in Rhode Island. You know what? Uh, there are players, and I was looking up this past several weeks, you know. Again, I, do know, I don't know full about Rhode Island. Uh, history when it comes who came out and everything, but I, I knew some, and then I even did more research on that to try and find out who is out there, who that you know played in college here or was a high school legend or played overseas currently, you know, I, and I came across some names that actually played in Turkey, <laughs> and I'm like, this is this is awesome. So you know, there are names out there like you know, uh, I mean, why don't we have a uh, Coach Soren team from Brown play for us. Yeah, right? yeah. For a game, you know, because you know, ABA is one of those t- leagues that you can have a celebrity player every game. So, uh, <laughs> so why not? TJ Soren team, come on down. He's like, that name it. is almost royalty in the state too with, the, you know, just a clutch shot at Siena from way back. I mean, it's You can never forget that. You can yep. never forget that. Um, you know, there are guys like um, Ricky Lido that played in, in Turkey, if I one of the best teams in Turkey. I believe he was in Poland last year, if I'm not mistaken. So he's a guy been playing overseas for like a good amount of years. You know, uh, Rakeem Sanders, another one. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so there are people that comes out of St. Andrews. You know, Bishop Hendrickson. Uh, I mean, there, there are a bunch of good schools here in our state that produces good talent, good talented players. So I would love to have guys like that. You know what? We just did 10, 12 years in Europe. We had amazing years. We're gonna come back. Come play for Pirates, you know, finish your career at Pirates, you know. You may be 30 or 30 run, but you still got game. Come play for us. And in the meantime, we have some guys coming out of college recently, last couple of years, or we're going to come out this year coming up. You know, we're going we're gonna to search for those guys and reach out to the coaches and then see, you know, if they can uh, recommend any players to us as well. So, so the dream team-wise, I want to build that team. I want, my, I want TJ Strong team my point guard. <laughs> That's incredible. I think you could probably work that out too. I'm sure if you made a solid I, I, pitch, you'd probably say yes. When time comes around, for sure. 
So he's, when he's still we, got a little in the tank too, which is he good. does. Yeah. He does. <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean, imagine if like Chris Dunn or like Bryce Cotton, you know, PC legends, where you're like, you know what? Let's go back. We're bringing it home back to Providence. Coming back to the 401. I mean, why not? Why not? That's my goal. I would love to have that. So. So when should we start seeing the team come together, the roster filling out, potential venues, and a follow-up to that, when can we get our hands on some merchandise and tickets? Well, uh, so team, be supposed to hold combines and triads in the spring and summer, and all these cases, we could not do that. Um, so we are in works right now trying to figure out some locations to host some tryouts and combines. Uh, um, and I had I visited some locations the past couple of weeks and hoping to have couple of things set up. I also, I'm also waiting for more guidelines from the state when it comes to that, because we all know uh, social gathering is only up to 15, even though people see OAU teams and all that, they are doing their own thing and they practicing. We are a professional team. We're not going to do that. We're going to follow all the state guidelines to the dot when it comes to it. So that is something I'm trying to figure out. That's uh, hopefully, you're hoping to hear by last Friday because 28 was last Friday. Uh, for the last the deadline, but it's passed. So we're hoping to hear to see what's, what happens there. That's one step. Again, in the meantime, you're looking for locations to, to host traps um, and hoping there are about three, four, maybe five locations in Rhode Island in the southern Massachusetts area uh, and then kind of attract some talent from every different angle. Uh, and when it comes to venues, when we kind of where, where are we going to play, right? There was other questions. Uh, we talked with Johnson and Wales last year. It was it was a good talks. We were kind of not working out details. We were just kind of okay. We could do this. We can do it. We can put it together. The schedule could work out. So we were we were on those stages, and then COVID happened. So we put on that hold. Right now, all the colleges are. They don't know. They don't know because they mainly going to. Most of them are going to school, but not. So it's so we trying to figure that piece out where that can be. In the meantime, ABA moved their start date from November to January. That's official. It happened a week and a half ago. So it kind of, good and bad, good that it kind of gives us a little more time. Bad, we're kind of ready to go. We want to we get going. We want to start. We want to put a team out there. But at the same time, it's about safety and health. So we'll, we'll just follow whatever the national office says, and we'll go from there. So start date moved to January. We're going to wait to see. So it gives me another month or two. Uh, to figure out the venue when it comes to how the colleges are doing. And now we'll go from there. So, and now when it comes to merchandise, um, uh, we actually talking to Squat Locker, which is in a, you know, Rhode Island company. Uh, uh, we actually put together literally today a website. Uh, you can go to our website at providencepiratesaba.com. And there'll be a link there to take you to Squat Locker store that we created. And then start getting merchandise. And it's there. Uh, I'm not sure how big our selection is, but you know, I, some of my uh, people from my team put together, and then you get some different graphics and everything, different gears. So we'll see how it go, but it's there. <laughs> uh, as of yeah, today, it's legit. I, I just looked it up. Wow, this is, this is cool. There's a few shirts, a few shorts, and pants. Yeah, I, I, I dig it. So somebody, somebody did a good job. Uh, I'll figure out. It's probably Victor, my marketing guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so there'll be stuff out there you can you can look and purchase merchandise and and then help us out get 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 it going. That's great. And before we close out, because now I'm just curious, do you have a favorite Turkish basketball player that's ever played in the NBA or maybe in the Turkish league back home? 
Well, I mean, in Turkish league, there was a player that I used to, you know, envy a lot. His name is Harun Erdenay, but uh, he was like a 6'4 shooting guard, 40-inch uh, vertical. Uh, it's an unbelievable athlete and shooter. He never played in NBA, but he, was, he had a stellar career in, in, in Turkey. Uh, but also, obviously, just like any other Turkish play, uh, basketball player that, you know, hit a Turkoglu, you know, is one of the most famous Turkish players came to NBA. He's actually a year older than me. I actually played against him. Um, oh, wow. 15 years old. He was a 6'7 point guard. I was a 6'4 four man. So it was kind of a little unbalanced team. We were, we were facing each other. But yes, wow. those are the team, those are the players that I, you know, uh, uh, from Turkey that I, I still follow and try to stay in touch as well. Before oh, we close out, because I know you're uh, a ride or die in New England and Boston fan. Who do you see going into the NBA Finals in the next couple weeks? Well, Milwaukee is, is struggling. So I'm kind of happy to see that, not going to lie. <laughs> you know, there were some little controversial calls on both ends at the end of that game. Uh, I don't think either of them was a foul, but it's, they called it. So and that, it felt like it was a makeup call for Bucks. <laughs> I'm hoping, um, I mean, Celtics going to be there. I'm not hoping this is going to happen. Uh, and then uh, in the West, there are some good teams. Uh, I was a Portland guy. I love Damian Lillard and everything. But obviously, they're just not strong enough to face good teams. Um, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be Lakers coming out of there. Um, and then who wouldn't who wouldn't want to watch Lakers Celtics series? Damn know? right. And LeBron, right. LeBron and us <laughs> again. <laughs> That's a good good. Uh, that would be incredible for sure. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Sir John Fenerchi from the Providence Pirates. Hopefully we will see an ABA season come January. Um, Sir John, thank you so much for joining us. And to close out, where can our listeners uh, engage with your content and the team's content and stay on top of things as uh, we start to learn more about what the season will be? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And it was a Amazing conversation. I enjoyed the show. You guys are successful. You guys did a tremendous job. Uh, you can follow Pirates at Pirates ABA in all social media outlets, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, and um, also website is ProvidencePiratesABA.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Go, Pri- go Pirates. I mean, we're excited. You know, we'll be repping those uh, shirts and jerseys very soon, and we can't wait to watch a game. So, Thank Thank you again, Sir John. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that was just Sir John Fenergy of the Providence Pirates. Uh, Pretty much the next Flint Tropics of New England. ABA, we're super excited to have him. It was a great conversation. And look for that merch and those tickets coming in the fall. I can't wait until we have a situation where Chris Dunn is on the team and he gets traded to... Um, some San Antonio franchise for a washing machine and Ed, maybe Ed Monix. Maybe look at Ed Monix in return. So I I want him to suit up so badly. I want Sir John to suit up. He, he probably could. He's 6'7". He's got the tank. So I, that'll be cool. <laughs> that'll be really cool. And uh, we, we love what he's doing. They teamed up with Squad Locker, as you mentioned. You guys can go to ProvidencePiratesABA.com and go get merch now, which is really cool, especially if you're in Rhode Island. You'll ship it probably really soon. Um, but that's that. Let's top into positivity quarter and close things out. Yes, so we have something that hits close to home uh, in Taunton, Massachusetts.
So there was a gentleman by the name of Wilfredo Alman, who is deaf. Um, he received a life-changing car, a Toyota Corolla, from a vehicle donation nonprofit organization called Good News Garage. So someone in New England generously donated the car to uh, Mrs. Al Mr. Alman, excuse me, and he's one of the 5,000 recipients of vehicles from the Good News Garage since the New England-based charity began providing transportation uh, to its neighbors in the early 90s. So, I mean, he broke down in tears. I mean, he was super thankful, uh, especially during these hard times, too. You know, public transportation wasn't really an option for a lot of, a lot of people because of COVID. So for him to be able to have a car that... Uh, works with his disabilities as well as allow him to trans, uh, transport himself to different places. Uh, great story. We're happy to hear that there's an organization like this helping people in need, especially during difficult times. Yeah, this is great stuff. And of course, it's taught in Mass, too, which is right down the road. We, we hang out in Lakeville and Freetown all the time, and Taunton's right up there. So it's always good when we, we, we love doing the stuff for the stories as well, but um, when it's so close to where we are, it's a little bit differently. So uh, hopefully that is enough to brighten up your week at least um, for a little bit. That's our show. That is episode 21, if you can believe it. Uh, Sir John Fenerchy of the Providence Pirates. You know where to find us on social. Our blog is live too. We're pushing up the writers, folks. I think we've got, what, seven or eight now? Mm -hmm. Something like that. Um, if you are not logging on and watching some of that, or I should say um, reading some of our content, I was like, why can't I think of a word? It's <laughs> reading. That's how shot I am. Um, House-Enterprise.com, and you can navigate your way from there. We have a pumpkin beer to attend to because it's overflowing in the other room. So, updates to come. I'm Jake, and that's what I'm so off Take it easy.